Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's only a kick. <laughs> a jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Title IX Podcast and the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. The entire Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is fueled by Cody Road. And all of our podcasts are now recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studio. This is episode 82 of the Title Line podcast. And I am joined by a special co-host while Elisa is on vacation with her family. I'm again joined by my sister, who last time I accidentally called by her maiden name, (laughs) Sam Eifler, but she is now officially a married woman. Samantha Nelson, how are you? I am great. Thanks for having me again. I had joining me last time. Yeah, it was good. And people didn't think you were terrible. So I decided to invite you back again. I know. I'm glad I didn't make a total fool of myself. To be fair, no one said you did a good job, but no one said you did a bad one either. Okay, my friends said I did a good job. So you know who else did? Our dad. And those are people who by contract are obligated to say you did a good job. Also, so, dad and I are the same person, so he laughed at my jokes. I'm sure he did. did. I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, if you get any reviews where someone who's uh, an unbiased and third-party reviewer says you did a good job, please let me know. I will. Okay. It hasn't happened, but maybe this time around. <laughs> maybe. Do a better job. <laughs> we are sponsored, of course, by the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. And last week, the Debbie and Jerry Ivy College of Business at Iowa State announced that their professional MBA program was ranked number one in Des Moines for the fifth year in a row. That ranking comes from the business record, which if you live in the Des Moines metro area, you know they always rank the best of in several categories. And I was thinking earlier today as I was preparing for the podcast, it seems like every episode I get to share something cool that the Debbie and Jerry Ivy College of Business is doing or being recognized for. So I'm really proud of having them as a sponsor of the Title Line podcast. So thanks again to our friends at Ivy for sponsoring us episode after episode. We very much appreciate it. 
All right. Little rundown on the podcast tonight. We have to, for our own therapeutic reasons, talk a little bit about the football team's loss to KU on Saturday. We won't belabor things because we know you were there, you saw, you witnessed, and you went through the pain with us. But I feel like there are a few things that are worth mentioning outside of maybe the nitty-gritty stats um, and um, getting into the weeds that some of our friends at Cyclone Fanatic have already done. Uh, we want Sam and I want to talk a little bit about the reaction we saw to the female official in the Iowa Michigan game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to talk about Iowa State volleyball and their surprising knockup of number 13 Baylor last week. And then, like we do in every Title IX podcast, we just want to do a couple shout outs and some fun patterns we're seeing in women's sports. So, Sammy, are you ready to dive into the loss against Kansas? Yeah, let's relive it. Let's do it. All right. I hate KU football for this loss on Saturday. And also because back in 2000, I guess it would have been 2008, 2008, 2009 season, which was my senior year at Iowa state. I am taking the LSAT, which is the entrance exam to get into law school. And I'm taking it on campus in the morning. It's a Saturday morning in the fall. And we're playing ranked Kansas at the time. Wait, this was your senior year. What? Wait, what'd you say? Say that yeah, again. No, I'm, I'm telling a memory about my senior year at Iowa so State. So I was there as a freshman. I don't know where the hell you were. Okay. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out my status as well. Okay. Yeah. So I was, uh, I get out of the LSAT and I'm like, I, you can't, you didn't have your phone in the LSAT at the time. Yeah. And Twitter wasn't, Twitter was probably a thing, but it was as prevalent as it is now. So I walk out and I see a police officer and I say, Hey, sir, can you tell me the score? And it was halftime <laughs> at this point. And he says, uh, he told me the score and I'm like, Oh, we're losing. He's like, no, no, no. Iowa state's up. I was like, what? So I had originally planned to get over to Jack Trice after I took the LSAT, but mm-hmm. I decided I needed to get there ASAP. So I jogged my rear end all the way to Jack Trice from campus. It was warm that day. It was an unseasonably warm fall day, yeah. sweating in layers and we end up losing the game. Oh, so all of that is to say Kansas Jayhawk football has not given me happy memories. And yeah. Saturday was no exception. Field goal. Yeah, it was, uh, it's just, I, this, this was a uh, Remember the last time I was on here, we talked about how Iowa state didn't do anything stupid to like make us mad. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the opposite of when I'm on this time. Yeah. It made me mad. So let's talk about this. I think the first prevalent point is the field goal to tie the game with 32 seconds. Oh left. my God. The controversy yeah. of course, is whether coach Campbell should have put the freshman kicker, Jace Gilbert in that position in the first place. Nope. Okay, he'd had two doinks prior to that point. Everybody who's listening knows this, and we'd had a bad snap with the PIT earlier in the game. With my children as my witness, I will tell you that there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that that was the wrong decision by Matt Campbell, and I felt that way in that moment. I, I thought that was me too. You felt the same way as what you said? But yes, he absolutely yeah. should not have done that, and I thought about it from a straight up. It was like I... I honestly wasn't even thinking about losing or winning. I thought about the psychological right. mess that he is putting this kicker through. And it ended exactly as I thought it would. And I've read things. I've listened to things. I've talked to people who are quote unquote smarter football minds than me. And I've been told by a numerous number, a numerous number of these numerous number, um, a number of these people <laughs> that, no, Campbell did the right thing because a 37-yard field goal should be automatic. Okay, that's probably true, 
but he'd had two doinks not go his way earlier in the game. And it's naive of us to think that that wasn't in his head. He, I think he was five of five coming into the Kansas game, but he's a freshman. And my problem yep. with using a couple of games as the litmus test for him is that it's not like he's had two or three seasons of showing us that he has nerves of steel to trust him with. Yeah, He's a freshman. We don't know yeah. what he's going to come in with. We don't know what his psyche is like. And I think my biggest frustration is that unlike our kicking and special teams up to that point, we had been phenomenal on fourth down. We were four of five on fourth down in the game. And those fourth downs were not just all fourth and short, you know, they were significant fourth downs. This is a fourth and one scenario. If you can't punch that in, you don't deserve to win the game period. Um, And my last point on this is that it's never automatic when it comes to Iowa state kicking. And is that a quote unquote loser mentality? Maybe, but it's also true. And in his tenure, coach Campbell hasn't shown us anything different when it comes to special teams. It's not automatic. It never has been automatic. And until we get proven otherwise, I'll, I won't believe that it is. And I saw after the game, coach Campbell said he wanted to go to overtime because our defense had been playing well. And he's right. Our defense was fantastic. But how do you win a game in overtime? You have to score points. And to me, you have a fourth and one situation on the Kansas 20. I think I think that was around where we were. Mm-hmm. So if you get a yard, you get four more downs to play with. You know the circumstances. But in overtime, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if Hunter's going to get sacked again, if he throws a pick again. So to me, when your kicker has shown a propensity to doink it in the game. You take what you know versus what you don't know in overtime in a game that was like weird as hell. The whole game yeah. was weird. Yeah. So as I was thinking about this, <clears throat> would you have been more mad if he sends Gilbert out there like he did and he misses it versus if he goes for it on fourth down and we don't get it? No, because I was I more- genuinely think I would, I was more mad with the way it played out. Yeah, I was just going to say, the second that I saw them setting up for the kick, I looked at Taylor and his mom Taylor's and dad. Taylor's husband, by the way. Yes, who are Hawkeye fans. But, I mean, they they always root for the Cyclones when they're not playing each other. And I go, what is he doing? What is he doing? And Taylor, as a you know a football player, goes, oh, this is a chip shot. That's I what go, I mean. Everybody yes. who's in football or yes. – in- yeah. But I go, it is, but he just missed two field goals that were chip shots too. I go, this right. is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. And I was freaking out. And I was like, I, 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 I had a bad feeling. And then, like I said, I thought psychologically, I'm like, I don't even care what, how far it is. He's so screwed up from the last two kicks that if he misses this, he's done for the season, like mentally. Right. And then it wasn't even close. Yeah, no, that was, was so mad because I'm like, if he would have gone, oh yeah. If he would have gone for the first down and somehow we didn't get it, we didn't get the yard, I would have been like, okay, you know what? Like we tried. And I would have been pissed, of course, of course. But I would have felt like he didn't put the kicker in a bad spot. And, and and to me in that scenario, if we don't get the first down there, Kansas deserves to win. Yes, like, that's what I mean. Is like it's one yard, and like we can push one yard. And yes, if we don't get that, then Kansas deserves to win. I agree. But the fact that we couldn't kick a field goal and that's how Kansas wins made me so angry. Yeah, and that's why I think I tweeted. I said, 
I wish we would have lost by a hundred. Uh, right. Like, it just would have been so much easier to be like, well, we played terrible. Yeah. This, like, uh, this was painful. Yeah. And oh God. you know, here's the thing. And I, like I said, I, I listened to everything that Second Fanatic and, and other outlets put out. I read everything and um, I think I have a, now I'm a more impatient person than, than some of those guys, I think probably. Um, and I love no Matt way. Campbell <laughs> and I'm extremely thankful for him and I want yes. him to be here for a very, very long time. So I just need to set the stage for that first, but me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of his, I guess my point here is I think one of his strengths has become one of his weaknesses and that's his stubbornness. Yes. And I think that stubbornness, which has proven to be very successful for him in a lot of ways, has become kind of a blind spot with respect to special teams. Special teams has been an Achilles heel for every year of his tenure. And I don't know why, because he's a he's a great football coach. He's got a brilliant football mind, but it is. And he needs some help there. And year after year, fans have been calling for us, you know, get someone in there. And this past year, we hired some analyst. And, you know, I don't know exactly what that special team and team's analyst role includes, but I think we need some help in, in special teams. And one of the bigger frustrations from fans, and rightfully so, including myself, is that he continually preaches about winning in the margins and winning in the dark. Yeah. Fumbling snaps on PATs, missing field goals, muffing punts. Those are the margins. Those are the little things that in a game where your offense can't do a damn thing, that changes the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris Felica, the bear on college game day tweeted after the game that Iowa state is five and 14 under Matt Campbell when the spread is between is plus three and a half minus three and a half. So in those games, what is it? What does the game outcome depend on the margins, the details and I think I've said this for three seasons now. I know I've said it on the podcast since the very beginning. We, as an Iowa State football program, are stuck in this upward trajectory, which I'm thankful to be going upward, but we're stuck from taking that last step and getting around the turn. We're just stuck right where we are, and we can't take that extra step, which is probably the hardest step in you know becoming a really elite program mm -hmm. without those details. And he's got, he's at a point now where he either has to stop preaching the winning in the margins thing or fix it. And I would really prefer that he fix it, but yeah. his, his stubbornness in this messaging. And I think what's kind of become a blind spot. And I know he knows it's a problem. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, but for some reason, it feels like he thinks he can handle it. And it's just continually been a weakness. And it's something that is losing games. It's something that should be preventable. And until it changes, it's going to be a really sticky point for the fan base, I think. What do you think it would take to change? Like, who's going to tell him that besides <laughs> us on this podcast? Because I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he is. Hey, Hi, Mike Campbell. Love you. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, this. I've said this before, too. I hope that he's one of those people that isn't surrounded by yes men. I don't think he is. Um, yeah. I think he is one of those people that appreciates criticism and um, I don't know, I people who are honest with him in his circle. But the problem yeah. is I think his circle is very small. That's, maybe that's not even a problem. I don't think he listens to outside noise. And again, I think that's been one of his greatest strengths so far. I really yeah. do. But at a certain point, the criticism 
is probably warranted, you know, when there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, there's smoke yeah. here. <laughs> and that's because there's a, a raging fire in this special teams room. So I don't, I don't know what it would take. I hope that it takes someone in his circle saying, Hey coach, like this just isn't whatever we have going on here. Isn't working. We need to revamp. Yeah. I don't know. I said, I said it before I said, again, I'll do it for free. Frankly, I'll pay Iowa state to let me do special teams at this point. Well, can I just say that my new player for the Cyclones is Blake Clark, number 10? Yes. I think you that mean play? Clark's brother. Yes. Yeah. Dude, that was the coolest play I've okay. ever seen. It was, except it was a fumble snap, accident. Samantha. I know. Honestly, so I saw the snap. I was, you know, it was, I was like, oh my God. And all of a sudden he like put it down and grabbed it and ran it in. I was like, wait, was that planned? And everybody's like, oh no, no, no. Like, no. He's my new favorite player, though. That was amazing. It was good. It was good awareness so, from him. Thank you for that for special teams, I guess. But that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm obviously not calling for coach's head or anything. I no, think he, I, I mean, agree. I, I do agree, though. I want him I, here I, for a long time, but we can still be critical of him while loving him as our head coach. Two things can be true at the same time. Yeah, the other, I, the last thing I wanted to mention about this game is that um, we saw a very emotional Hunter Deckers on the sideline while he was talking mm-hmm. to Coach Campbell, while he was talking to his teammates. And that's a different look than what we've seen from our quarterback in years past. Brock was very, uh, very much a businessman, come and take care of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That's that's a different, um, I don't know, vibe for a Matt Campbell program. Do you think that's going to be a, a good or a bad or an indifferent um, I don't think it'll be indifferent though. When you have someone who's that emotional, it tends to be one or the other. And I'm yeah. saying that because I'm that emotional person. Um, but no yeah, shocking. Me too. I, <laughs> I think if you have the right people in place to control it, it can be a really positive thing, but if you don't know how to control it or how to manifest it, it can get really ugly. So yeah, we'll see how that, I don't know. You know, I have, we have no context for why he was so hot on the sidelines and yeah. but it's just something to keep an eye on. I agree. Okay. Well, that was therapeutic. So let's turn to something else that really made me and you mad. Uh, so we get home from soccer from my girl's soccer on Saturday morning. We flip on the Iowa game at 11 AM and my five-year-old sees there's a female official and says immediately, mom, look, it's a girl. And those moments make me so proud and also so sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. proud because we're making progress and it's great that there's representation because it does matter but also sad that she notices these things in the first place because I want to get to a point where when she sees a female official in a football game she doesn't think anything of it it's just normal it's, it's just a norm yeah yes but the fact that she does notice it is proof that it actually does matter yeah um that official had amazing hair her ponytail was incredible I know I noticed her right away and I was like gosh dang it girl <laughs> Gorgeous volume and waves. Yes. And I knew Twitter was going to have a bunch of misogynists giving their takes on how bad she was. And I tried very hard not to look, never read the comments, number one rule in life. But I got tagged in a tweet from someone um, who I think was trying to, in a good, well-meaning way, get me to go after a Hawkeye fan who had been going on about how bad this official had been. Um but I didn't engage. 
But the problem was uh, that exposed me to some of the other misogynistic replies. Yep. And let me just say Mr. Hawkeye fan was not alone in his small-minded opinions. And frankly, it made me really sad. I got to the point where I wasn't even mad anymore. I just got really bummed out. And I just have to say, one of the most common responses I saw was that you know, how she never played football. This if she, She's a woman. She never played football. How could she know the game? And I guarantee you, there are a lot of male officials who never played football or never played at a respectable level. And for the male officials who did play football, I have some breaking news for you guys. Some of them are really shitty at their jobs too. Just the fact that they played football Dad. doesn't make them, doesn't automatically make you understand or see the game or understand the rule book. You can be bad too. And I guess my biggest takeaway point here is I'm not saying you can't be critical of female officials. If she makes bad calls, be critical. Mm-hmm. Just don't attribute it to her being a woman. Yep. If you say she makes she's she's a woman, of course she makes bad calls. That's dumb. And it makes you lose credibility with your argument immediately. Say she made a bad call. She probably did. So yeah. does every other official, particularly in the Big 12. So we've yes. seen it all. Yes. And that was, that's just my, don't, it's not because she's a woman. It's because she's a human and made a bad call. Yeah. Guys do it all the time. Yeah. So we were watching football this Saturday and um, Taylor had said like, oh God, this girl's getting just eaten alive. And I don't know if it's from your tweet or something on Twitter. And I was like, and I said the same thing. I go, okay, so she made a bad call. Like, definitely call a ref out and say you made a bad call but it became everybody saying she made a bad call because she doesn't know because this girl made a bad call and I'm like no refs make bad calls all the time and I will I rarely attribute a game to a ref no I won't but I will I will complain when we it's all really, do. Really bad. Yes. We all do. But, and we should because especially yes. this year, they've been particularly bad. But I guess agree. what? They've been all male crews yes. who have been and bad. Ha- ha- have any of us said this male ref made a bad call? No, I've never said that. No. No. I just say the ref. Yeah. And I I had texted you earlier stuff and said, you know, I just had to have a conversation with a kid at school because um I always have a, I have fun with my students and say like, you know, I'm a big Iowa state fan. I'm like, and they'll give me a hard time. I give them a hard time. And we go back and forth and somebody said, um, some about Iowa state losing cause their kicker sucks and all this. And I go, well, you know, yeah, it wasn't great, but Iowa lost too. And this kid goes, well, yeah. Cause that chick ref sucks. Oh, oh no. And I go, all right. I'm like, you're a teenage kid. So I'll give you, you know, a chance. And I'm like, but why do you have to say it was a chick ref? Because well, it was the chick ref. And I was like, but why do we have to say the chick ref? Have you ever said the the, the dude ref, the, the, ref? the guy ref? Have you ever said that? And he goes, well, no. And I'm like, then why are you calling it out? He goes, because that's what my dad said during the game. Yeah. And I go, that's the point. And I thought about exactly what you tweeted when you said, it matters. No, it totally And it matters. matters in a good way and it matters in a bad way. Right. Like when you raise your kids to see the awesomeness that's happening with the, the female refs and all that, that matters. But it also matters in a bad way. When you say the chick ref sucks, like just say the ref made a bad call. Yeah. Why do we have to say it's a chick? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's so sad. It is really sad. And okay. So I was going to mention this, but I feel like I have to now. So I got put in Twitter jail on Saturday, everybody, because I jokingly tweeted at the big 12 ref parody account, the one that gives everybody else hell. Like I jokingly tweeted at them when they made a bad call in the, in the Iowa state game that I hope they get paper cuts between all their fingers. I got put in big, I, sorry, I got put in Twitter jail for 12 hours as because that was a harassing tweet. Well, all right, time out. Can you actually imagine getting paper cuts between all yeah, your fingers? Yeah, it would like, be hell. That's why I said it, and I meant it. Torture. it. I, I wish that on all of them, and I don't have any regrets. I don't take it back. <laughs> but we have all these jerks out there tweeting about how women belong yep. in the kitchen and not the football field. And I'm the one who gets put and in nothing Twitter happens. Jail, and I get it. And I'm I'm being a little bit snarky here because I understand that Twitter has to there has to be a line about violence and threats and stuff like yeah. that. But look, if if they had taken two seconds to, to look at that, it. right, yeah. they would have known I was joking. And yet these a-holes get away with this day in and day out, and it just really frustrates me. And I know that's just a peril of social media, and I'm not sure how to fix it, but I just uh that was a really frustrating, um, frustrating reminder that despite all of the progress that's been made and continues to be made, there's still that prevailing attitude out there. So we just need to do our best to show the young men and young women in our lives why it matters and why it matters in a good way. I will right. say that, oh, like Sorry. I said, no, I was just gonna say your tweet when you said like that, Nora, you know, your five or your five-year-old saw like this matters. I was like, that is so cool. And then I kind of, I read through comments because that's what I do. And Mostly then I get down positive. Hole and I hate it. Yeah. And I was going to say, sadly, the negative ones seem to dominate the positive, but there were so many positive parents that were like, my daughter said the same thing. And so, yes, there is good, but it just sucks. So there's people that can't, they totally miss the point. Right. Oh, well, she sucks. And okay. you know what, actually, that's not though, what I was saying, though, right, but I will, you're right, you bring up a great point, because that tweet got a lot of play. And the vast majority of like 90% or more of the of the replies back were positive about kids, their own children, people, yeah. uh, parents tweeting that their own kids and not just girls, but boys too noticed it yeah. in a positive way. So, okay, that's, that's our takeaway, good positive spin on it that yes. the vast majority of people out there are doing the right thing. Yeah, so there you go. Here's another right thing to do. Go check out hopewoodjd.com to get your will completed, get things right in order for your family, for all those little girls and boys who are noticing the female refs in your life. Go get your <laughs> life in order and uh, check out Hopewood to finish her will or to complete her will in a day program. It's easy. It's fast. Hope is wonderful. If you use the code fanatic, you can get $50 off the will in a day program at hopewoodjd.com. All right, Sam, this is your wheelhouse. You are a volleyball coach um, in one of the Des Moines metro suburb schools. So let's Ooh. let's uh, use your expertise here and talk a little bit about Iowa State volleyball. So last week, Iowa State volleyball knocked off number 13 Baylor at home in four sets. It was a crowd of 2,700, but I think the real takeaway here was that 1,000 of those 2,700 people were students. Hilton was rocking. Yes, it was I love really- that fun to watch on TV. The students were in it. They were tracking. They were, um, you know, like really, really, really involved. Unfortunately, Iowa State turned around and dropped a match to K-State yesterday on Sunday. So they're back down to one and two in the conference and at the bottom of the Big 12 standings, but it's early and they clearly have a lot of potential. 
Sammy, I don't know how much you've watched um, this Iowa State squad, but they're led by senior Eleanor Holthouse, who notched her fourth double-double of the season against K-State. And that also, that uh, match against K-State also got her to over 200 season kills. She's had 20 kills in the Baylor game. Um, and that's the sixth match of her career with 20 or more kills, which ties the eighth most in Iowa State history. She's a stud. Yeah, she's like close to beating the record, isn't she? Did you not listen to what I just said? No, I know. I'm <laughs> saying like all like like total kills. Well, she has eighth most in Iowa State. Oh, oh, you're saying overall the record? Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were referring to her. The if she's had 20 kills in a. In a oh game. no! Like, like she, yes, overall she is a kills. Stud. And I yeah, you're probably right. I didn't look that up. But that would make sense. And I think I saw or read somewhere that she went like five for five on her first five attempts, which She's is just great. like, that's hard to do. Yeah. And I love, I just, great yeah. Start. And I'll say this, and if you aren't a volleyball fan, I encourage you to get out to Hilton to watch because yes. good volleyball and pretty much anyone in the Big 12 is good volleyball, is yes. so wildly entertaining to watch. And we have a lot of good high school volleyball in the state too. Uh -huh. So if you haven't experienced it yet, you should. And you have the perfect opportunity um, on Friday, so the 7th at home, Iowa State Volleyball takes on Kansas. The match begins at 6.30, and this is cool. It serves as the women in sports match. So girls in grades kindergarten through eighth grade can sign up for a ticket, T-shirt, and fan banner for 10 bucks, and their parents or their guests can add on a ticket for a dollar. So what a great opportunity to take your daughter, your niece, your friend's kids to Hilton Coliseum to cheer on the Iowa State Cyclone Volleyball team. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Okay, Sammy, this is, I didn't tell you we're going to talk about this, so that we're going to okay. do this on the fly. Have you noticed you've been coaching volleyball at the high school level? How many years now? This is year 11. Okay. Have you noticed now, I know you've bounced around from different sizes of school districts, but have yeah. you noticed volleyball numbers in general going up? Oh my, like players out? Yes. Number of kids out for yes. volleyball. It's, I mean, it's wild. It is, we have over 80 girls out for eighth grade. We have teams A through F and I, I coach ninth grade and we go a from through eighth, F. Yeah. It's quite comical. All <laughs> Just those like, poor girls on F. Yeah, I know. And but then good for them. From, and I, I, I take that back because good for them. No, it's great, but it's just so many teams to try to play. And then right. I coach ninth grade and then it goes from A through F to an A and B team. So it's really? like, and we don't, yeah. And we don't cut, well, we technically have a C team, but it's more of like a, just like a practice squad. Um, and they play a couple of games, but so many schools around us don't have that many right. girls out. And so we don't cut, which I think is great because it yes. gets girls to come out, but right. there are so many girls out and it's because they see this great playing at the high school level and the college level around us. And they just think it's so, which it is, it's so awesome to watch that they want to be a part of it. And I love it. Okay. So here's a weird stat though. Okay. High school basketball, girls, high school basketball numbers are yeah. way down. I way I down. It. 
Okay, so there's an article last week in the Wall Street Journal by Rachel Bachman. She reported that high school volleyball, sorry, basketball dropped to the fourth most popular girls sport by participation. So since 2002, so 20 years, we've lost 19% of girls high school basketball players. And what's crazy about this is this is happening while TV ratings, um, viewership ratings, attendance numbers for the NCAA attorney and the women's and, and the WNBA are skyrocketing. Yeah. yeah. And the crazy stat for me, and I'm not shocked by this because we've seen it, but seeing this particular statistic kind of that the actual number shocked me. Iowa has half as many players than we did in the late 1990s. Why? And I Okay, so the the article didn't dive into why. They suggested some things. They said several forces are driving the decline, including athletes sticking to one sport year-round, which we, the specialization thing, though, I have a seven-year-old, and I'm seeing these girls going into um, select teams that practice year-round. I don't know how you could possibly do more than one sport. That very it's much seven or eight years old when we were in school. What's that? Like that changed so much oh, since we were in school. Hugely. And like we had traveling teams, but not they were seasonal. the whole year. Yeah, seasonal. And yeah. it was it's encouraged or was encouraged more to just do any sport you wanted and not have to I don't know. That's, yeah, so I don't there's like that. that. I don't like they, it. The study also suggested that schools have added additional sports for girls, um, which has, you know, lured athletes away from basketball, which is probably, that's a good problem. Um, Yeah. That's a good problem to have. And then the biggest suggestion was that club volleyball overlaps with basketball season. So there's a lot of club coaches who are discouraging their players from doing both because you, that means you're playing less volleyball. Yeah. And it just made me a little sad. Um, I happen to love girls basketball, women's basketball. So I have a bias about it, but I just thought it was interesting. And what I really want to do is get someone from the girls um, athletic union here in Iowa to talk to me about this. So that's on my to-do list listeners. And I'm going to try to see if they have some insight about it, but Mm -hmm. I just thought that was shocking. And I was curious if you had seen the increase in volleyball and it sounds like you have. Yeah, we've definitely seen the numbers increase, which is, like I said, a good thing. For sure. Um, But one thing I will say, which I support 100%, is um, we have a couple girls right now that are doing multiple sports. Yeah. And I'm, like, all for it. Yes. Like, I have a couple girls on my – and granted, it's freshmen, so I'm sure it changes at the higher level. But we have a couple girls that are doing cross-country and volleyball, and they just – do half and half. And I'm like, I love it. Like to figure out what you love and what you really are passionate about and try it all. And then I would say half of our girls who play volleyball after practice, they go play fall softball Mm -hmm. and go to practice and they're doing multiple sports night. And I love that because I've noticed that a big teaching at bigger schools, it does seem to be more specialized. Right. Compared to when we grew up, right? It was like play all the sports. Um, so yeah, I'm all for tr- doing it all, but I uh, yeah, I wonder why club volleyball though is like dominating the basketball. Okay, world. so I, I did see one thing that they were. Oh, I hate even saying this. I hate saying it, but I'm going to because it's probably okay. a little bit true. The article suggested that basketball is 
and this is they clearly hated saying it too is less quote unquote cute it's yeah you're not wearing the tight shorts you know oh, you're God. not don't like, even get me started on the no, outfit no i right right <laughs> you don't you know it's I hate it. basketball's a very athletic and sweaty and yeah. like gross sport in that yes. if you're looking at it that way and um there were some suggestions that social media and tiktok and things like that are really you know pushing the the cute factor and i don't know if that's true no i i'm on all those social medias i'm not gonna lie i get caught up in a rabbit hole in all of them and i i could see that like you remember i was the biggest tomboy in the entire world stuff and i didn't play any other sports besides basketball yeah like i felt like that was like fitting for me and i think it was because like we had the bigger jerseys and like I didn't feel comfortable in the tiny little volleyball and then I grew out of that obviously but maybe some girls I don't know yeah it's interesting it is I I hope players like Caitlin Clark can change that yeah um and the WNBA is trying really hard um you know they do they've pushed on social media the you know what they're wearing before and after games and the kind of the glam factor I would say I hate that um, that even has to be a thing, but I am glad that they're doing it because it is real. Yes. And I also think, I don't think they're doing it because of that. I think they're doing it to allow players to express themselves in a, yeah. not, you know, in a, you know, a, where they a, can be like yeah. dressed up and right. yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. Anyway, it's interesting. I want to dig in more into that um, this fall. So be on the lookout for that. I'm going to yeah. try to get someone from the athletic union to to hop on with this. All right, let's take a quick break. We are brought to you by Authentic Brand. Authentic Brand is more than just your source for official cycling gear. With an amazing team of designers, Authentic Brand can custom manufacture polo shirts, jackets, caps, bags, and beyond for your team or small business. Check them out online at authentic-brand.com. Look authentic, feel authentic, be authentic. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. 
Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, before we get back into the podcast, Sam, I want to tell you a little bit about Danielson Law. Something not everyone knows is that when you go to law school, you don't specialize in a type of law. You get that special specialization after you're out of law school and after you start practicing and working in specific areas. So when you have a work injury, you go to a worker's compensation lawyer. When you're adopting, you go to a family law attorney. And when you're buying a selling or a home, you want to go to a real estate lawyer. And that's why you should check out Danielson Law. They are longtime Cyclone fans and supporters of Cyclone Fanatic. And you know, here at Cyclone Fanatic, we like to support our supporters. They're a husband and wife team. Jeremy is the real estate attorney and Sarah is the operations manager. You can check them out at Danielson Law, D-A-N-I-L-S-O-N law.com for more information. Okay, Sammy, the National Women's Soccer League playoff bracket is set up and I am all in on these playoffs. After the Iowa State game on Saturday, I watched the Kansas City Current because they're my team Mm -hmm. and I watch them on Twitch and uh, what the hell is Twitch? I have no idea. I still don't know. (laughs) All I know is that I was able to watch the current on Twitch and they lost to the Houston dash in stoppage time. Sam, I was so mad because the Houston dash aren't even a playoff contender. And that bumped the current from a home game, potential three seed in the, in the playoffs to a away game, five seed. Okay. And here's the silver lining. I was so pissed off. Okay. Like so, so, so pissed because I've decided the current are my team. I'm going all in on this season. And I was mad. The flip side is because I was so mad. That means, you know, I've bought in, like, you know, I'm invested in this. Are you you going to their game? What? Are you going to the next game? No, because they're away now because they I lost. know. I thought you were going to say you were so invested. You were going to travel mean, to like Florida or something. I mean, oh, no, okay. <laughs> no, but my point is like, I'm, I'm officially a fan. Yes, like yes. that's your moment of truth. When you get so irrationally mad about something that you scare your kids, that's when you know you're all in. <laughs> all right. I don't with have the playoffs. Kids, but I do scare my pets when I get mad. <laughs> <laughs> the National Women's Soccer League playoffs are in Paramount Plus, CBS Sports, and the championship is on CBS, like the CBS main main ship. That's on October 29th at 7 p.m. So if you haven't watched yet because you don't know what Twitch is like me, now is your time to get involved. Um, But a a little side note about the National Women's Soccer League um, and the U.S. Women's National Team is that earlier this spring, Elisa and I told you about Alyssa and Giselle Thompson. They're two sisters and soccer players from L.A. They were the first high school athletes to sign NIL deals with Nike. Alyssa was a junior at the time, Giselle a sophomore. Okay, Alyssa is now 17 years old, Sam. This week, she got her first call-up to the U.S. Women's National Team. The U.S. Women's National Team, like the senior team for friendlies against Spain and England. She's the youngest player to earn that call-up since 16-year-old Sophia Smith in 2017. I just cannot wrap my mind around this. 17 years old. 17 years old. So it's 10 months until the World Cup. So it's not super likely that she's going to make the final roster for the women's national team, but she's got a shot. Like they're not bringing her up for no reason. You know, she's, she's there for a reason. And I just, uh, it's hard for me to imagine. Also, I was watching like high school musical and eating chicken nuggets and French fries on the couch when I was 17. <laughs> like what? Right. What were you doing at age 17? Were That's you getting exactly called up? To... No, I know. I'm asking, <laughs> I'm asking the listeners. I can promise you, I wasn't getting called up for the U S women's national team. That yeah. is 
Awesome. Yeah. So be on the lookout. Um, if you're a casual fan, check out Alyssa, uh, Thompson. So that's, that's a name to pay attention to. And right before we started recording tonight, um, us soccer released a report that I haven't had a chance to fully dig into yet. It's about a 200 page report about some of the harassment and abuses of players in the national women's soccer league for the last several years. And it is rough. Um, I read the bullet points and the kind of the summaries that some national reporters did, and I'm going to dig into it and talk about it in the next podcast, but I am really sad that these abuses and harassment were allowed to continue for so long in the women's soccer league, but I'm very grateful that, um, they're taking I'm not, I was going to say, I'm grateful they're taking responsibility, but I don't know that we can go that far yet. I'm grateful. Someone, a third party is finally saying, hang on a second. This wasn't right. This wasn't handled properly. And I'm hopeful that the U.S. Women's, uh, sorry, the National Women's Soccer League does take full responsibility and really puts some barriers in place to ensure that coaches and, um, you know, front offices and ownership aren't allowed to pray on these players and more going forward. So anyway, I, I've been very, I've said a lot of praise about the National Women's Soccer League this year. And so I felt like it was only fair that we mention, you know, some of the stuff, the ugly stuff that's gone in, in that league in the last few years, but hopeful that things are turning around now and the sport continues to grow at this really great rate that and pace that it has in the last year. All right, Sam, uh, one of the, my favorite things to do on this podcast is to give shout outs where shout outs are due. And one of my shout outs is for Texas Tech, the Red Raiders. A couple of months ago, we told you that Texas Tech's entire women's basketball roster got an NIL deal. Now that is true for their softball team too. Hold on, I have to take a drink. <laughs> Thanks. Front office sports reports that the softball team, hold on, I have to take another drink. That's live podcasting for you. <laughs> Excuse me. Front office sports reports that the team has been offered five-figure NIL deals. NIL deals. Oh my gosh. Sam, talk for a second. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining in. <laughs> wow. My face is bright red. I'm as red as the Red Raiders right now. Thanks. Can't stop coughing. Okay. <laughs> the softball team has been offered five-figure NIL deals from a donor-led collective. I will die on the hill that I don't think an entire team should get the same dollar figure across the board. To me, that is pay for play. I will die on this hill, and I will say it to my grave. But... Credit where credit is due because Texas Tech is doing something that other schools aren't, and that's making their women's sports team a priority in these donor-led collectives and this NIL space. And I really, really, really want to see this happen at Iowa State. The We Will Collective was initially set up for men's basketball and football, and no women's sports were allowed. Um, and I initially, my first gut reaction was why. Women's basketball has a big brand here at Iowa State. And I'm willing to bet it's as big as a uh, of a brand as Texas Tech softball. And I've been harassing Brent Bloom, our friend Brent Bloom, about this since he took the reins of the We Will Collective over the summer. And he's assuring me he's working on it. But Bloom, if you're listening, I'm coming for you. We're going to get this done. <laughs> if Texas Tech can do it, Iowa State can do it too. But kudos to Texas Tech for 
really, um, and it's not the school, it's the collectives. We have to be careful to separate the two, but kudos to Texas Tech's donors, um, alumni for really taking a stand and making sure that women's sports are made a priority as well. Okay. Let's end the podcast with something that has been bothering both of us. And I tried to end the podcast on positive notes, but this has been really, I don't know, digging at me for for a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a female runner, recreational runner right now. Last month, we learned about the kidnapping and death of Eliza Fletcher, who was abducted while she was on an early morning run in Tennessee. So why am I bringing this up now? Uh, Because Saturday, when I was doing my matchy-matchy, white-white-white run uh, before the Iowa State football game, I was running my... Um, I have a few different routes that I run because I try to be careful and not run the same route every day. And it was morning, but I mean, the sun was up and I saw this guy pull into a parking lot where there's a trailhead and he got out of his car, did like 10 seconds of stretches and took off. And I just thought to myself, as I'm carrying my mace and my um, phone and as I have one ear pod out and one ear pod in so I can be aware of what's going on around, around me man, that must be nice to just go off and run on a trail. We have this gorgeous fall weather happening right now in Iowa, these beautiful fall colors. And I am terrified, terrified to run on a trail. I won't do it because I am so scared that someone could hop out of that, um, you know, the woods there and do whatever they wanted to me. And what scares me so much is that uh, Eliza Fletcher was running near the University of Memphis campus. She wasn't in some rural wooded area. She was in a populated area before the sun came up. And I just hate that I get to a point I've been running for a lot of years since I was in college. I hate that I get to a point where I finally think, all right, I'm comfortable. I feel safe. And then something happens where it throws me back into I feel like I have to look behind my back every 15 seconds. And I had a ton of people reach out to me because I, I'm vocal on social media about being a runner. I, we do the, I do the matchy matchy uniform uniform thing every week and I post pictures of it. And I post pictures of me running half marathons and I had people reach out to me on Twitter to say, you know, be careful. And I appreciate the concern. And I know that all of those messages come from a good place, but I shouldn't have to be careful. And that's what pisses me off so much. Yeah. Um, I remember exactly we were like driving and I got that update about Eliza Fletcher and it just like completely just that, like, I was like almost ready to cry. Didn't know anything about this woman. Didn't know the backstory, but I'm like, oh my God, like I'm setting my alarm for four 30 in the morning tomorrow to get up and run. And She's a teacher in her thirties. You're a teacher in your thirties. And I almost didn't do it. I almost was like, no, I can't. But I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I hate that. I, yes, I get that some people aren't doing that, but I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to try to be more careful. So yes, I wear one earbud. I very listen to very quiet music in the one earbud. I have pepper spray. I have a light on my arm that flashes. I have my phone like ready to go, but like, I'm going to keep doing this because I'm not going to let people 
completely changed my life. Now, do I do different a different route than I probably would love to do? Yes, because I'm not going in a wooded area as well. But literally when I'm running and it's in a very lit up main road and I hear a weird sound, yeah. my heart is pounding the entire rest of the way. And I'm constantly looking at shadows and I'm like, why is this a thing? It is the worst feeling in the entire world. And I have like a, I have like bad thoughts the entire mm -hmm. three miles, five miles, whatever I'm running in the morning when it's dark out, I'm like, all right. Like, and I hate that I have to think that I'm like, well, this, this could be it. And then I like go in this weird rabbit hole and I'm just panicked the whole, it's not even refreshing anymore. Right. Um, it takes the joy it, out of it. Like you said, it's beautiful weather and it's like running in the morning before work. I just feel ready to go. And now it's like a panic. Like I'm stressed the entire way. And I think worst case scenario and I hate it. And like you said, I'm not even running in wooded dark areas and running in main roads, but it's scary. And, and it, it's the, we just passed the four year uh, anniversary of the murder of Celia Barquena Arosamena. And, yeah. you know, she, it's, it's those kind of moments. It's, it's truly those situations that pop up every couple of years where I'm just like, damn it. It brings you right back to it. Yes. And it's not limited to, I mean, you and I are runners, so we're, mm -hmm. we're thinking of it from a running perspective, but it's not limited to that. It's walking to your car from the store and then at night, you know, it's mm -hmm. those moments where we shouldn't have to feel like we're living in fear, but we do. And yeah. I don't really have a solution. This is more of just us, us talking to say, if you're still freaked out, if you have moments of of fear like that, you're not alone. Yeah. I think we all have them. And I guess the one thing I wanted to end with was if you are a male runner um, or on a trail or a biker or a walker and you're feeling, you know, like, how do I, how do I act? So I don't look scary or yeah. feel scary. I think just say, Hey, wave, you know, wave. give a little I wave, wave from a distance always. And I'm like, some, literally everybody I've seen since I'm not kidding. Every single person I've seen since has done it back because I think they're, they have been conscious, which I appreciate, but yeah, I would agree. Like, I don't want people to not do what they're passionate about because they're scared. I think people just need to be extra cautious. And I think, like you said, people also need to make sure that they're conscious to make other people feel comfortable too, so that we can all like still do what we love doing with out constantly living in fear I guess yeah it's just too bad that that's the case and I don't know like I said I don't have a solution Sucks. necessarily but um it just kind of came to a head on Saturday as I was doing that run and yeah it just made me jealous of of what it must be like to to hop on a trail like that without any fear so yeah just be mindful um if you if you are curious about what's going through the mind of of women in those circumstances there you have it you heard it it's it's still a thing when I was out for a run on Sunday there is a an older guy on the like it wasn't really a trail it was just like the small wooded neighborhood but uh he was smoking a cigar and had a top hat on or not a top hat but a little fedora and gave me the biggest wave ever and I'm like that guy's living his best life <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should be. skip running and just do yeah that i want to be him <laughs> uh, well maybe someday same 
Maybe. <laughs> All right. So we play the Purple Kitties on Saturday. Let's hope purple we Purple Kitties. The purple I kitties. Love yeah. that. Let's hey, hope man. we come away with the victory and turn this ship around. I will Please. turn this car around. <laughs> okay, Dad. Okay. <laughs> All right, you have to play Elise's part and say go state, okay? Okay. All right, go cyclones. Go state. <laughs>